All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Well, probably not the boys and girls. We gotta forget this is not a family-friendly show, thanks to Todd, and <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about that. So, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, folks of all ages, to Turn Zero Gaming, where we talk about Marvel Crisis Protocol, X Men, Brotherhood of Mutants, and chocolate milk. Sometimes, no, no, no. Beer. Cyclops. That's right. We talk about Cyclops. How oh, much yeah, we Cyclops. love. Good Love character. for Scott. Yeah, so Cyclops is the man with a plan. Suck a dick, Scott. Whoa. <laughs> so uh, coming to you somewhat live from Oklahoma and Virginia, we've got the tag crew with Todd and Chris. How are y'all doing? Uh, doing good. Pretty good. Uh, had, a, had a tournament yesterday we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, it was fun. Uh, getting to play some live games is always nice. Yeah, I completely agree. So I know Todd's recovering from a bit of a science infection, so... If he doesn't talk as much, that's why. Otherwise, we get to talk about Cyclops a whole bunch. He's not going to say nothing. <laughs> Cyclops sucks. We just no. trigger him all the whole episode. That, that's yeah. all you'll hear from me. Like I will, I'll chime in when needed. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, on a more serious note, AMG released information on Toad and Magneto, which we wrote articles about. But we're going to talk about those characters right now. Because um, there's there's a lot of information to parse through. I think both Toad and Magneto are very good. A lot of people actually agree to that. But Toad's a two-pointer and Magneto is a six-pointer, which is interesting that we have two characters on the practically opposite spectrum of character design. We have a two-pointer, which people would consider like, hey, you know, you can slot them in, but usually they're kind of weak and for obvious reasons. And then you have a six-pointer, which is usually like the antithesis of a character model. They're going to have insane abilities, powers, stat lines, whatever. And so I think this is going to be an interesting dichotomy because both of these characters in their own right do what they do extremely well. And it's kind of cool to see the Brotherhood be fairly interesting in how these characters uh, roam around the battlefield. So let's first talk about Toad. This is a five health, medium move, size two, two threat character. His defenses are three, three, three. His a tongue lash attack, which is uh, range three, four dice, zero power, uh, standard battery ability. After you deal damage, you gain power equal to damage. But he also has a push built in on a wild. If the character he attacks is size two or less, before damage is dealt, you can push them away from this character short or small or whatever you want to call it. There's an energy attack called Spit Acid. It's range two, five dice, two power. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate special condition. You don't have to roll anything. You basically just pay two power and you get to roll some dice on top of the incinerate. And then his uh, superpowers are really what makes him interesting. So he's got wall crawler, not surprising. He has an innate ability called uh, prehensile tongue. This character may interact with objective tokens within range two instead of the normal range one, which is technically three times as long as range one. So like range one is a single inch, uh, range two is three inches. So that's, that's pretty significant. He has a activated ability called slippery after, well, reactive after an attack targeting this character is resolved for two power. If you were damaged by the attack, you can use the superpower and you can advance medium, which is real good. Uh, 
You have the uh, activated ability Hop for two power. You can place this character within two, range two of its current position. You can only do this once per turn. And then the interesting ability, Finders Keepers for two power. As an action, you choose an allied character within two of this character, so within range two of Toad. Move one asset or civilian token that the chosen character is holding to this character. Toad is now holding that token. You can't hold more tokens than the crisis specifies. So basically the criminal syndicate outside of the criminal syndicate. Uh, the only major difference is on his front side, he has five health. On his back side, he has three health. So he has the standard eight health total. It's just split a little differently. Most two pointers have a four, four split. He's got a five, three split. So what are your guys' thoughts on uh, this two-point brotherhood tongue-licky uh, toad guy? Um, I mean, he's, he's clearly good. He's definitely very niche, which is fine. Like, I think the two-pointers kind of already are pretty niche. They, they all fit specific situations really well. Um, I think he's unique in that he's – I feel like he's going to do a lot. Like, he gets to play all over the place and – the fact that he gets to pull a token off of somebody and then is slippery after the fact lets him do it really safely. Um, and I'm fine with the 5-3 split. Like, he he's going to have to get in and do work, but he's got the health on the front side to do it safely, and that's pretty important. Because I've noticed, especially around here, I, you know, on, and on TTS to some extent, um, rosters are being built or specifically with uh, – crisis objectives that are restricting the number of points available. Like scrolls is kind of making a comeback. I've seen some 20 point stuff, especially around here um, and playing narrow and restricting how many points are, are possible so that you can brawl a little more. So it makes those like two point scrolls or the two point spaceship thing really, really important to hang on to for the entire game. And Toad's going to be really good at making sure that you have it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot, uh, some some people, even like we saw in Morgan's game on Friday, um, playing those low point objectives um, just to gain the advantage on board positioning with your characters more than board positioning with points. Um, and what they're trying to do is is control um, control the board state and actually trying to to just dome people, yeah. like just beat you into submission. I think people got a little tired of being controlled all the time because I know the shop went really heavy control at one point. Yeah. And now it's kind of come back around like, all right, well, you're going to mess around with the points, so I'm going to make sure that you can only gain four a turn max. Yeah, and, and, and then, then I'm going to make you pay. You. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to make you pay. Um, and and it's, it's a solid strategy. It's an interesting, like, idea of the new meta, right? Like, not saying that there's actually a, a solid meta for it, of course, like there, there's so much play in the game as it is right now. Mm -hmm. But like it is, it is an interesting idea as to how to combat some of these like lists that are just trying to do objective control and scoring points. And so they're going to penalize you. You're going to get less points to score and now you're going to have to hold them for longer. Mm -hmm. How long can you hold that? How, how long can you hold that down? Um, and it's it's been pretty effective yeah. from what we've seen. Yeah, he fits really well in there. Everything on his card seems to just be thematically towed, and it's very interesting and unique. I also like that he auto applies incinerate. Yeah, that's pretty the, cool. That's that's pretty neat. That is pretty. cool. I've been getting hit with it a lot because I've been trying to force people to play narrow on demon portals, and uh, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> 
So he uh, he gets to go take a token from somebody, give you a little parting shot, and then if you try to come back on him, he's just going to scamper away or slip and slide away. I don't I don't know what he does exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, did you did you get to test him at all, Suggy? Oh yeah, and I did you all proud. So we did the Toad plus uh, Hired Muscle combo, and that was uh, pretty effective. He, uh, when, when he gets to activate Slippery, he is out. He is, like, so far gone, it's ridiculous. And what's really scary is because he's got five health and three defense, he can aggressively push up a field. Drop hired muscle. Now, obviously, he only starts with one power, so I have to bring advanced R&D to give him the second power to do hired muscle and pick up the far objective. But what's scary is if your opponent swings into him and deals more than two damage, he can take that power and then immediately activate slippery and run away. So what's really funny is your opponent kind of wants to poke him early game, so that he only takes one damage and he's still deep in the backfield and then they can try and like vaporize him because four health with three dice it doesn't happen often but it can happen but toad is in this really great place where if they don't instantly kill him he runs away if they do minimal amounts of damage he still runs away and if they only do one damage he's still in their face and they've wasted a move and an action and he's still sitting on a point, so they have to commit another character into him. Uh, once again, he is very squishy, and if he flips to his injured side with three health, he's pretty useless because he's going to die. But he's he's a really strong tool for early game token pressure with hired muscle, and I think that's gross. Yeah, I... I it has to be a conscious design decision to put the five health on the front side because they want them available to make those kind of aggressive point snatching plays early and not have it necessarily be as much of a feels bad like at the end of a game if it's close because at that point he's probably been flipped. So they, they want him to make the higher muscle play. They want him to go – maybe you overextended to get a far point or something like that. They want him to be able to go snatch that up so it's not a total waste. Like when I play Black Panther and <laughs> <laughs> move him way too far away, and then he ended up getting taken out on the second turn. Um, so for those kind of things, so I, I think that's interesting too because they knew what they wanted him to do. Right. Um, and he's just the overall cool character, very thematic. I think he's going to be interesting. I think he's going to show up in a lot of places. I don't know that he overtakes Nebula, but. I guess those two characters are for two very specific things. So they don't necessarily cross each other out. But, you know, if you're playing a control list, you're probably bringing Toad. And if you're playing an aggro list, you're probably bringing Nebula. Yeah, that makes sense. I, probably over Black Widow at this point, right? I would. Uh, That's a great question. I'm I'm obviously super high on Toad right now. And he's he's basically become like an auto pick for me. But I also like having Black Widow because if toad can't get there or i don't want to bring advanced r&d for like a hired muscle pickup combo i can use black widow to pick things up and if she doesn't die because she's you know stealthy uh she can run into the back toad can use finders keepers and then she can go grab another point true yeah so i i don't hate the toad black widow combo i'm still testing it out because Obviously, there's still a lot of stuff to kind of figure out. But like for me personally, as a control player and as a lame player, 
He is like everything I've wanted. Actually, uh, one of the games I played against Sooner, we were doing a bunch of testing last night. He, uh, ran, <laughs> we were playing on Gamma Shelters, and I hope Sooner doesn't kill me for this, but uh, he runs up onto the Gamma Shelter. He tongue lashes into Daredevil and dazes him, and then licks the point with uh, prehensile tongue, and then um, really? hops away. I was like, oh, <laughs> that seems uh, that seems dumb. <laughs> Jeez. And then he hops. He hops basically to the uh, Bat Gamma Shelter. I was like, "Oh, well, okay, I, I got you." Uh, he rolled like a king, and Daredevil whiffed completely. I'm not gonna like try and make it sound like, you know, he rolled like six crits, but I think Daredevil like two or three health up. But anyways, like Toad's really weird because if you need to, he can. If you get lucky, I'm I'm just gonna preface: if you get lucky, he can do some damage. But what's more important is he was able to hop, literally hop around the field with a medium move, tongue lash someone, use prehensile tongue to pick up something, hop away or a medium move away, and he's like just so mo- like he's deceptively mobile, like a medium move on a small base plus a range to displacement, reposition, whatever you want to call it. He can get pretty deep into the backfield if he wants to. And you could do some surprising things where people have like unguarded points and they think, oh, you know, I'm safe. You're like medium move, medium move, hop. Because of wall crawler, nothing stops him. Um, it's even nicer when there's objectives on top of buildings and he just like runs up to the top, picks up the objective, and now he has cover. It's super, super oh, good. Yeah. He's got a lot going on for a two pointer, especially. Yeah. He's he's probably going to be a, a fan favorite for a lot of people. He's he's just so much fun too. I wish we'd gotten the Ray Park badass karate toad though. Uh, I mean, was that was that toad really badass though? <laughs> you see all the cool flips and shit he was doing. Yeah, uh, okay. Oh wait, wait. Did you just compare Ray Park's toad to Yoda? Uh, not quite that cool. Okay, okay. Because like <laughs> hype, hype man Yoda from Clone Wars is pretty cool. I mean, all right, you guys are, you guys are way off the mark. That oh, Toad, God. there was, there was nothing <laughs> cool about Toad in the X Men movies. I mean, he don't get me wrong. The first one, because he was, got barbecued and wasn't. I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say, spoilers. He did kill himself. I was pretty excited. Uh, I love the the epic storm quote. You know what happens to a Toad when you hit it with lightning? <laughs> Same as everything else. Whatever, man. Come uh, on. <laughs> yeah, you can you can watch that on Disney Plus. Uh, this episode sponsored by Disney Plus. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, uh, Toad Toad has a lot to unpack. I I really think that the big surprise people are gonna start to be caught off guard with when they like first start playing with him is how much longer range two is compared to range one. Mm-hmm. That that is something a lot of even in testing I like used his prehensile tongue to grab something, and my opponent was like, "Wait, what?" It's like, yeah, I can I can get that at range too, and then I'm like, so you can like medium move up to some tokens, you prehensile tongue, and then you medium move back, and other if you don't have a long range mover, you can't do that. It's it's stupid good. Yeah, it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, I, he's he's one of the pieces that I'm I'm more interested in than I thought I was going to be. Like we we had hopes for what he was going to be, and it sounds like he's checked all those boxes. So I'm I'm super excited to get my hands on him uh, more than I am to watch him in the X Men movies. Ouch. 
Yeah. I think I think another thing to say about Toad, I know we're talking a lot about Toad, and we're going to move on to Magneto, but um, surprisingly, the 3-3-3 three, three, three defenses uh, give him so, some pretty stout numbers. Now, for example, most basic strikes are rolling five dice into Toad, and on average, you block one. If you get a good roll, you block two. But I mean, with five dice coming into you, what do you usually see? On average, you see like three to four damage incoming. If you if they roll three damage, you block one or two. You know he's still on the board with four health. You don't you don't want to because you want to take the two damage and slippery away. But I mean, like you know, I paired him with Doctor Strange in one game, and you can heal him, which is nasty. Um, you know, you can drop uh, Wong and heal him up a little bit. Like he's he's just kind of fits super well into a lot of places because you can be aggressive with him to grab points. You can uh, use him to grab points and then heal him. And then he just kind of hops around and he's really tough to catch. Um, he, he can like, there's, he's obviously not offensive. Like he's not an attacker. You really don't want him to get in the thick of it, but if he has to, and you like, you need to snipe a point at the very end of the round, or you need to go from like the bat gamma shelter to or your gamma shelter to the bat gamma shelter score three points or contest. He totally can do that. Um, he's he's a, he he feels like Ant Man. Like when Ant Man came out and I saw him play, it's like I didn't know Ant Man could do that. I, I had the same exclamations with Toad. I'm like I didn't realize Toad could do such a thing. And I think it's going to open up a lot of lines of play for a lot of people. And that's exciting for a two-pointer because usually so far two-pointers were kind of pigeonholed into like Akoi is a bodyguard, Tank, who's really hard to kill, Black Widow is a points grabber, Rocket is an aggressive shooter, Nebula is an aggressive melee character. And then Toad's kind of like, I can do what needs to be done, so what do you need me to do? Well, I think he, I think he is just the villain version kind of, of uh, widow like widow widow does something very similar to him, except she has the long move with stealth um, where he has the medium move with the extended range for the grab. Right. Uh, and then he's got the, the slippery, like almost sneak out of here kind of play. So secures versus extracts basically. Well, I mean, I think they're, uh, I think they're opposite sides of the same coin. Right. Like, and I, I think that's something we should kind of come to expect, um, that we should have hero kind of like and Nebula villain. And Rocket, yeah. Yeah, like, well, no, I mean, I feel like we should come kind of expect, like, a hero and villain version of, like, you've got your you've got your utility piece in Wong, so we're waiting on a utility piece in villain, right, that fits into some villain affiliation. Mysterio! Mysterio! Uh, maybe, right? That, like, that could be possible, but I feel like if he's a two-pointer, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Um, but I mean, why spider foes need a two pointer? Not the. It should be Black Cat, not Mysterio. Uh, no, but Black Cat is a criminal syndicate. Uh, she could do both. That's she fine. should be both. <laughs> I, I uh, agree. She I don't should know, be both. I don't know who they get for a two point in spider foes. That affiliation is kind of whack right now. Yeah, but neither <laughs> Carnage or <laughs> Mysterio yeah, I, I should be a two point. I don't see Carnage or Mysterio <laughs> being a two pointer. Uh, maybe Vulture, right down the road. Maybe. Mm. Old man, like a two-point flyer with a medium move that can actually get around and do some things. He's just Maybe? a dude. He's just a dude with wings, I feel man. like Electro is probably the two-pointer. I feel like Electro is three. I feel like Sandman's like a five. Uh, no. He's not that good. Sandman could be a two. No. We Sandman need, we need could a, be a two. 
We're getting off the rails here. Yeah. Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter. He's a three-pointer, right? He's a four-pointer. Four-pointer? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Anyways, so let's move on to the other side of the spectrum. So we've talked about a two-pointer. Let's talk about a six-pointer. Oh, we're going to talk about the Hulk? Uh, you can talk about the Hulk. I'm gonna talk well, about Magneto. Like this is this is gonna be an, like an interesting comparison between two six pointers. Like, <laughs> holy cow, night and day different. Uh, well, yeah. Thanos is six pointer. Well, yeah, with Thanos, like we've seen what work Thanos can do. So Thanos has kind of earned his six points. Hulk still feels like he's a little overcosted, but I feel like this six points coming with Magneto is amazing. Well, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what Magneto does? Because I told you about my boy Toad, and he he's in my roster. Like, he's forever linked to – I have nine slots in my roster plus Toad. Well, I'm going to let Chris pull that up and tell the you all about it. The problem is that Magneto does a lot of stuff. <laughs> all right, so he's uh, got six health. He's a short mover, size two, six threat. He has three physical, three energy, and six mystic defense, which makes sense. He's got a cool little helmet. Um his first attack is physical reverse polarity, three range, six die. Sorry, I've been drinking. Uh, after <laughs> attack is resolved, gains power equal to the damage dealt. Also, if the target character is within two of this character, this character may reroll any number of its attack dice. If it is not, after the attack is resolved, push the character target character short. So if a character is within range two of you when you attack, it's reroll all your dice. If they're outside of that, so range three, essentially, which is a max range. You yeah. then get to push them. It's pretty good. Not bad. His second attack is Shrapnel Blast. It's an area two for six dice for five power. So when you measure the range and line of sight for this attack, you may choose to measure the range and line of sight from a metal construct within three of this character. And we'll talk about the metal constructs. In wow, a second. I was going to ask, how do I get a metal construct? <laughs> Instead of from this character. If you do, after all the attacks are resolved, the metal construct is destroyed. After each attack is resolved, the target character gains stun. Metal constructs, and this is an important part of his kit. This may even should have been addressed first. Um, he has an infinite a power called Master of Magnetism. Uh, if there are fewer than two metal construct terrain features in play, place one metal construct terrain feature within three of this character. The metal construct is a size two interactive terrain feature. Then, this character gains one power for each metal construct in play. Characters may never overlap a metal construct. So, he creates terrain and then gains power when they're out on the field. So, he's gaining a maximum of three power a turn, always gaining two power a turn because he's always got one out. He's, got a, he's always got at least one. So, now he gets to place this within three of him, and he can use it as the measurement base for his shrapnel blast, which is pretty important. So, it can come from him or it can come from a terrain feature he creates within three of him. So he could potentially put that in the middle of your team and then set off the attack with it. And that is free for him. He just does it. He creates these metal constructs out in the field every turn. That also ties into his affiliation power. It's called From the Ruins. When a terrain feature is destroyed, after the effect is resolved, choose a number of allied characters equal to or less than the terrain feature's size. Each chosen character gains one power. Character may only gain one power as a result of this leadership ability per turn. So he's creating size two terrain every turn. Anytime a piece of terrain gets blown up anywhere on the board by either you or your opponent. That's dumb. 
and your allied characters, however you choose to distribute it, get one power up to the size of the terrain. So if you blow up a size three, you get three power to distribute to three characters, on and on and on. So and that, and that's once per turn. Once per turn. So he's basically got advanced R and D. No, no, it's it's not once per turn. Uh, it's two that character once per turn. It's two not, that not character per once round. per turn. Yeah, that's what I just said. It's to that character well, once well, per turn. Well, so so what came up with was um, initially it was thought like you can only like it's the first piece of terrain you throw that gets you the bonus, but it's once per character. So if you throw right. two pieces of terrain and they're both size two, you right. can give four characters one power. Right. If you have four characters. If you throw a third piece of terrain and all four of them have gotten a power from this ability, no, nothing happens. But it's not like, oh, you threw a, a size two piece of terrain, only two people get power, and then the next one, you don't, nothing happens. It's, it's just one power per character per turn. That's what I said. Well, I wanted to bring that up because some people thought it was just the first piece of terrain you throw. I think the more important thing is this can happen every turn. Yeah. So you're doing it on your turn, potentially throwing one to two pieces. Then your opponent gets out their turn. And if they, they throw a piece, then you also get power. Then you're creating another construct on your next turn, which you can then throw. Huh. Seems like there's going to be a lot of power given out. Oh, yeah. There, uh, there may be. So that's pretty important. So these metal constructs are really important to his central de- design philosophy, <coughs> which is super cool. And I know a few of us are hoping that there's cards and interact with them. But anyway, he's still got two more powers for me to talk about. He's also got Fatal Attraction. So this character can spend one to four power when paying for the cost of the superpower. Choose an interactive terrain feature within three and with a size equal to or less than the power spent to use this superpower and throw it long. Before using the superpower, this character must pay one power for each time it has been already used this turn. So Magneto is the first character that can also throw multiple times per turn on his own. Wee! <laughs> and then finally, he has Force Projection. It's a two power. When this character is targeted by an attack or would make a dodge roll, you may use this superpower. This character uses his six Mystic Defense to defend or dodge. This character cannot be pushed or thrown as a result of the special rules of this attack or collision. That one is huge. So that is yeah. Ebony Maw's ability on steroids. Yes. He uh, is very resilient. <laughs> he says, no, Shuri, I won't leave. No. I choose to stay. Yes. Remember that <laughs> I like to the king here. attack? Yeah, it's still real good, though. Can't throw me. I get six defense, bro. Uh, that's fine. I'll take a, I'll take a stagger. <laughs> I'll pay three for a stagger. <laughs> Especially on his ass. I'll definitely take a stagger on him. So he's, he's got a lot of ways to use power. Yeah. Uh, his big area attack is five. He can throw multiple times a turn at the cost of an additional power, and then he also has to pay for the size, which is interesting because a lot of characters, actually every other character just has a flat price they pay, and they can throw up to a certain size. So right. he gets to pick and choose a little bit. It sounds like he probably has the power to almost do whatever he wants. Well, he's, I mean, he's going to be a battery, right? Like, he's definitely generating two or three a turn. Um, I kind of was hoping that those uh, constructs he builds were going to move with him. Mm -hmm. Like, I was really hoping that was a thing. 
Uh, but it makes sense that they don't because <laughs> that would be brutal. Um, but, like, again, I think, Sugi, you got a little bit of time to mess with these, right? Yeah. So uh, Magneto is evil. He, he is a straight-up monster. Um, He's just misunderstood. He had a very traumatic childhood. He did. Yeah. I heard about it. People people were uh, ratting on his, uh, you know, purple and red ch- color choices. But um, in the games we played, I kind of wanted to use Shrapnel Blast. But the problem was I could throw like two or three things for the same cost. So I just never did. Um, Fatal Attraction, his ability to pay X and throw whatever he wants, as long as you have the power for it, is pretty dumb especially if they're size one terrain, because that's literally a free throw. It's it's literally two damage. He just gets to go, all right, roll your defense dice, two damage is coming at you. Now, if you need to throw multiple medium-sized things, it's not the best, but it is a free form of power generation. Um, believe it or not, the uh, the big wombo combo for Magneto is generally you hit someone with reverse polarity at range three, you move them into range of you, and then you fatal attraction, throw a bunch of stuff into them, get them down to like one or two health, then you shoot them again with reverse polarity, and you get to reroll all of your dice, and you almost always kill them. The only time I didn't kill someone was I think I rolled like four skulls and a blank and a, a hit, and I'm like, yeah, that's not great because I can't reroll my skulls. Uh. Um, but as long as you don't roll skulls, uh, he, he's just disgusting. There are multiple games and multiple attacks where he rolled, uh, five damage into someone. And I'm like, can you stop that? <laughs> well, I mean, he can re-roll skulls if you put him in spider friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're low enough. Wait, cost. wait, isn't is that on defense though? No, it says they, it just says they can roll and modify skulls Ooh. if they're if they're uh, controlling or contesting an objective. Oh, we <laughs> go home, Todd. I mean, you can actually make evil. that list happen, which is would well, be dumb. <laughs> well, here let, let's have the conversation we had last night, Chris, while we all sat around and took Irish car bombs. Okay. Um, what are some good tactics cards with this guy that we have never used before? Oh, uh, I'm going to reference Rick, the silent, silent stream partner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, the the think tank. Uh, so there's a couple. Uh, Heave ho. All of a sudden gets good. All of a sudden becomes good. Um, Which is getting dude, reprinted in his kit, I believe. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Um. And that is two characters within a certain distance of a terrain can pay to throw that terrain. Yeah, I think I they believe pay it's one each. Two, and then they pay one each. So instead of one person paying two, it's two people paying one. And you chuck it medium, which is pretty spicy. Pretty good. And then you get to give power back to people. Yeah. Then they, they get yeah. it right back. I, I think my favorite one, though, is Smash, which Minion has. Yeah. Has. You just break a piece of here. terrain and get power and then get power again. <laughs> so you, you pay to break a piece of terrain. That character gets dice added to their attack oh, that's rolls. right. It's dice added. That's and then you get to give power out to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's literally like a free R&D that gives you extra dice. Pretty nuts. Um, um, the other one we were looking at was Pim Particles. Yes. 
And this one's a bit tricky, so I'm going to look the card up real quick. It uh, works with uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. Ant-Man and Wasp. Uh, it's unaffiliated but active. Ant-Man or Wasp may spend two to play this card. Choose another allied character within three of this character, so either Ant-Man or Wasp. Then choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less within three of the chosen character. And then the chosen character throws that piece of terrain medium. So you're almost effectively throwing a piece of terrain on the other side of the board for two power. So it's, yeah, it's three base three. And then throw it medium from that three base. Yeah. Um, Which is crazy. It's pretty good. And, And the reason we were talking about why that felt so good is because in a typical throw list, and we've all played those lists the upper winfrey show yeah. is the one that we were playing a lot here the avengers base throw list you tend to throw whatever's there in the middle of a fight and then there's always stuff on the edge of the board that you're not playing around that just sits there so pim particles might let you pick up the errant car that's on like by your deployment zone that you never got to throw or something like that yeah so that one's pretty spicy i like that one yeah and then of course you give out power again like, like these cards, these cards actually are on the lower side of the cost threshold, one or mm-hmm. two that you're actually paying. And because of the affiliation bonus, all of a sudden, they're all effectively R&Ds. Yeah. They're all effectively just repowering your team. And they're not using a superpower throw and or a, an ability throw, right? Mm-hmm. So you still have those online to use as well in the turn. So you can do some really gross things. Well, and you almost you get to make a throw list essentially without characters that have a base throw. So right. you get to build a Brotherhood roster without having to worry about the fact that two of the best throwers are Avengers and one's in Criminal Syndicate. Yeah. And, you know, they're all over the place. You just get to build a list to fit your affiliation and then fill it with throws from your hand. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Like and there's gonna be characters coming that are gonna fit probably in Brotherhood that we haven't seen yet, like say Juggernaut. Yeah. Like Juggernaut's probably going to be a size four that's going to have a throw <laughs> and he's going to be able to use like he, he's going to be able to use smash and blow up a size three, then get three dice and give out three power. And then he uses a superpower called I'm the Juggernaut bitch. Yeah, I'm a Juggernaut bitch. <laughs> like there's going to like there's going to be some fun to be had with these guys. And like this is the kind of stuff we were messing around with early, like with those throw lists that we were mm-hmm. doing. Um, and these guys sound really fun to me. I like yeah, throws. I like throws a lot. And it's always hard when you see a character at six because you know that's such a huge investment up front. Yeah. But Magneto, in my opinion, maybe this may have changed after watching Morgan Reed play Thanos, but he feels like the first appropriately costed six. Yeah. Like he affects the board in such a massive way. And I didn't think that Thanos did that until I watched that game. But yeah. He may be this, you know, those these two characters really feel like they're worth the six points. Hulk is the only one that's still kind of. I don't know if it's that he's not been figured out, but I kind of feel like he's he's on the edge. Yeah, like there's some cute tricks you can do with him. Like we've seen some people doing some stuff with pentagrams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. Like ADT, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, like there, there's some cool tricks and like gamma launch is still a thing, but like. The character themselves, like, Game Launch is the reason you took the Hulk before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I know there's some neat tricks you can do, like, like I said a minute ago, with the, the pentagrams, where you can pick up multiple objectives and, and that kind of stuff. And that's problematic. Like, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's the character that's being oppressive. It just feels like 
he's an issue. Like right. he's he's I don't feel like he's impacting the board in a big enough way. Well, it's it could be almost any character that you do those same tricks with. Yeah. Part of the reason why it works for Hulk is because the the size of the base. Right, but like in my opinion, like those tricks that they're doing with the pentagrams with Hulk mm. would probably be better to be done with um, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Because uh, he can move faster out. Yeah. Um, like, so he's there and then he's gone. Um, and I know it's mainly due to the Hulk's power generation that they're using him there. Yeah. Like, if he, he if, does have big attacks and a throw and all yeah. that good stuff. Well, they're not even, I don't think they're, they're using those, right? They're getting the generation and using that. But I think the bigger thing is that he's generating three a turn. Uh-huh. So we can portal and interact twice. Right. So I don't know. But I, I do think, like, after, like, like we talked about, watching Morgan play Thanos, like, you got to see him played in a way that made him feel like an impressive six-pointer, even though he never attacked in that game yeah. with him. And I don't think you have to do anything that special with Magneto to make him feel worth six. Like, right. The power generation by itself. Yeah. And his base attack is really good too. Yeah. But it's that power generation that's going to turn a whole team online. Yeah. Like you're going to get to see stuff through brotherhood teams that weren't possible before because there was no possible way to make the power as fast as you can do it with yeah. brotherhood. Yeah. And now now you're going to be able to do it. It just makes stuff like Corvus even worse. <laughs> yeah, like it I can see that too cuz he's going to have power to Glaive's edge. Every turn, basically. <laughs> well, but that's a huge commitment, right? Like, if you do Corvus in a reality gym with a Magneto, that's 11 points. Yeah, I mean, that's the limiting factor. But, you know, there's degenerate people that play at the store, Joey, that will do it. <laughs> Joey. <to> do it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, I might put it together, too. So. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know what? Now, now that you say that, I can see Corvus with a reality gym coming across the field. And smashing something, <laughs> picking up a couple dice, giving out a couple power, heave hoeing a vehicle. Yeah. Like, well, so that's 11 points. All right. So I'm just going to go on a tangent for a second. So, Brotherhood team, points. Magneto, Sabretooth, Corvus Reality. Seems bad. You don't think so? I don't think so. Man, they just get the mall people. It is just a mall list, but. And you got a long mover. No, I don't want to talk about it. And he counterattacks with his basic, and he's going to have power to do it every turn. No. And he gets more dice for being hurt. No. <laughs> and he heals at the end of the turn. Well, so Toad's two, <laughs> right? So so that's eight. You could do. It's a 12-point yeah, twelve, it's a 12 shell right now. But yeah, it's a 12-point yeah. shell. We think Mystique is probably three, so that's a 15-point shell. Yeah, the, the fact that they hid her affiliation bonus is making it hard to guess how much power she's going to be. And it's also making me want to know exactly what it is. Yeah. Because I feel like they hid it because it's better than his. I don't know if it's better. But, well, I, there has to be a reason they hid it, right? Or, yeah. or holding it back. Yeah. So maybe. So something something I want to say is I did test Punisher with Magneto. Yeah. And I learned a couple good things and a couple bad things. So the good things are that Magneto being able to place his metal construct during the power phase, and if you have priority, then Punisher can just go Warzone and vaporize people. That's good. It's real good. Uh, Especially on Gamma Shelters, where everyone's grouped up. The bad thing is uh, Frank sitting on the back point with a range 3 shot, not as great. 
He doesn't. I wish he had a range four real bad. He's got a range five sniper attack. Uh, Just give him some power. Yeah, but, you know, if your opponent's smart, they're going to stay out of his range. And so he's just kind of sitting there twiddling his thumbs. Um, what does he need to sit on a back point for? Well, because you're, you're setting up a, an AOE war zone so he doesn't get vaporized. Also, he was sitting on a hammer. So he was scoring oh. two points a turn. Gotcha. You, you can't even argue that. Like, two points from a Punisher just sitting. And if they come at you, you just hit him with, you know, hit fire, hit fire, hit fire, hit fire. Like, okay. Um, yeah, that's not horrible. So, like, hey, you come in, you're going to approach me? You, you coming at me? Okay. Here's, like, a bunch of shots with a hammer. Like, here's a 20 dice. Deal with it. Um, Magneto is very susceptible to getting thrown and pushed away from points real bad. If, if you don't place your metal constructs on his booty and protect him from direct pushes, that doesn't what? stop them. So if you, if you put a metal Why? construct back to back on his base, they can't push him directly away. They have to kind of push him to the side and then push him back, and it, it does limit, like, instead of pushing him back short twice, they have to push him, like, sideways and then push him short. So he's still a little bit closer than he would be. Um, well, but why, my question is, why do you care if his special, he's got a superpower that says he can't be pushed or thrown? Right, but you uh, you have to, like, sit on the problem of if you if you spend too much power, you can't throw the constructs that you want to throw. I, I I would probably have him sitting on two power anyway, personally. Like that would be probably the way that I lean on him is having him hold a couple power to make sure he can set himself up from that. Now I know there's abilities and superpowers that they can throw that aren't going to trigger off of that, right? Uh, um, but I mean, I would that would be one of my priorities. I understand the placement of the uh, the the metal construct behind him, but I feel like. If I see my opponent lined up with a Shuri, I'm just going to make sure I hold on to two. Right. So, that... so the thing that's funny is he's actually very susceptible to Valkyrie because she could just pick him up and throw him. Sure. Sure. She can do like, and I mean, anybody with a throw can just walk up and pick him up. Yeah. Without triggering that. Yeah. And when you're, when you're trying to sit on a gamma objective, it's like, it's like a stagger because you move back and then you shoot once instead of shooting twice, getting a bunch of power. Magneto with reverse polarity makes so much power, it's insane. And then once you have, like, there were there are multiple points in the games we played where Magneto was sitting on 8 to 10 power. And I'm like, okay, here is a metal construct to the face. Here's another metal construct to the face. Here's another thing that's sitting in range, whatever. Uh, are you dead yet? And they're, you know, they're like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm toast. Um, you know, it like his fatal attraction throw gets around these defensive abilities like Black Panther counting blanks, uh, Daredevil counting blanks, Taskmaster, Okoye, because all of those things trigger off of attacks. And he's like, nah, man, I'm just going to throw stuff into you. And they're like, no. And it's it's just really oppressive if you can get a good reverse polarity in at range two where you get those rerolls, you stick, you know, two, three damage, four damage in, and then you chuck some stuff and they they just fall by the wayside. Yeah, I think I think he's real good. I'm super yeah. interested to see uh see how he comes out. Like I haven't gotten to play him yet. The affiliation is oh. definitely gonna need more pieces, but I think he's a really good starting point for a specific kind of list. And you will not like be disappointed. I guarantee you he will not be disappointed. So, yeah, I have one last thing to ask about Brotherhood. Uh -huh. And I know we already talked about Sabretooth's card. Um, it was last week or the week before. Um, 
Did you get to play him at all? Does he feel good? I think he looks uh, real good. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of 50-50 on Sabretooth and Wolverine. I did get to play them. If Wolverine doesn't roll hot, it hurts real bad, but his his uh, healing factor is stupid. You yeah. do you do have to time when you activate the characters because I've noticed smart players won't attack them early. So if you activate them trying to get something spicy off, you miss their healing factor and then they get punched in the face and don't heal that off. So uh, timing your activation is critical. Uh, Sabretooth, they're, they're, like I said previously in the article on the podcast, they're, they're two sides of different coins. Uh, Wolverine can 100% get in your face and stay in your face. Again, similar to Magneto, he's uh, weak to throws and pushes because then he has to move back and attack once instead of two attacks to the face. Sabretooth doesn't actually have that problem. Sabretooth is like constantly potentially moving because a he has to take damage to move and b sometimes you don't want to move into your opponent's backline because there's like two or three models that are that are about to activate and uh sabertooth is tanky but he's not like a 3v1 character because i tried that and i did spend uh three power for his exceptional healing and he, he tanked a lot of damage, but he can't, like, 3v1 anybody. He could probably 2v1, but not 3v1. Um, if your opponent goofs, he it's really fun to catch them off guard with an aggressive and then the uh, two-power counterattack with a claw slash because, believe you me, uh, bleed and pierce are gross. And, uh, yeah, if they're not paying attention, you can really make them suffer. And it did happen once, and it was like, oh, I'm just going to roll, like, five damage with Pierce and bleed. Are you dead? And they're like, oh, that's uh, that's not Man, nice. Man, I love Pierce on basic attacks. It, he he seems good. Um, he may be a, a sweet backline sniper. Like, if you put pressure on someone early and they have to retreat, like, he has the potential to get back around and take someone out and then stand there for a turn and heal and run away again. Like, I like that long move. We don't really have a character like that except for Nebula that really is a is a hard scrapper with a long move. And yeah. he feels... I don't even know. I don't even know if you would say that he... They may even be on par if the character's holding an objective, like Nebula and Sabretooth. Oh, man. I don't know. I think, I think Sabretooth is far and above Nebula. Um, Man, she does. She does work though. I've seen it a lot recently. But, I mean, I, mean yeah. I guess he just the fact that he has that big counterattack that lets him make his basic, which has the pierce and everything. Yeah, that's huge. And then he's getting extra dice if he's wounded. So yep. he, he kind of wants to be back there scrapping it out. Like, if you take a turn and go into him and you don't kill him and he's in your back line, like he's gonna go off super hard and he's gonna get there quick. Yeah. Um. And, but the other thing, I mean, the fact that he can interact with an objective is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's a long mover means he can go in there, pick a fight, things get bad, grab that objective, and get out. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the bigger deal. Yeah, Sabretooth, uh, I'm going to give shout-outs to uh, Final Flash. He was saying that like Wolverine's a brick and um, Sabretooth is a sword. I, I think I said Sploosh said that. I got that mixed up because we both – Sploosh and Final Flash were saying the exact same thing in just different terms, and I kind of mixed and matched one and the other. But they both essentially figured out what we were talking about in the articles we wrote last week. Like, 
Wolverine is just this brick who runs up to your face and like throws as many attacks as possible into you, tries to daze you and then runs to somebody else and just punches him in the face. Similar to what Chris is saying, Sabretooth is a much more nuanced character, but he can do so many things. Like he can move, grab a point and run away. He can assassinate backline characters. I'm actually trying to figure a way out to run both Nebula and Sabretooth because that level of pressure is stupid. Being able to have two long movers who can aggressively run into your face and start like throwing fisticuffs is dumb. His healing factor is real good. Like healing one damage over and over again, it matters. People get really zoned in on killing Sabretooth because if they don't, um, he he can't. He's gonna have a lot of power because you're gonna you know poke him, poke him, poke him, and he's got like two or three power. Plus with Magneto, he very quickly gets a lot of power. So now you have a Sabretooth in the middle of like four or five, you know, different things he can do. Like he can interact with an objective or he can go attack someone or he can use aggressive and attack someone. Like he's got a lot of targets. He can start to dish out and your opponent's just kind of like, I have to kill him now before he gets just out of control. And, uh, I, I like him a lot. I still need to practice like Magneto and Sabretooth are extremely nuanced characters. Toad, is actually also very nuanced. Like none of these characters are front and center. They're very complicated and with good positioning, good technique, good reading of the board, you can get a lot out of these characters. Like I feel like the brotherhood is one of the most, uh, I, I wrote in the article about Magneto, but it's like a blank canvas kind of affiliation. Like you can do a lot of things. You can go full aggro. You can do like semi mid range control. You can have like a bruiser list. You can run up, grab points. Toad can take them off you. Then you run deeper and start killing people. Um, Magneto can make cover on demand, which I actually have used in the games I played where he just throws out, um, you know, a metal construct in front of somebody and your opponent's like, Oh, I was going to shoot him with, you know, Shuri or Rocket or Punisher or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you can, but I get a free cover. And they're like, that stinks. And then, you know, after that, you throw it at someone, get more power and do it all over again. Like, there's so many different lines of play in Brotherhood. And that's what makes me the most excited. Like, I know I'm a very control player. I like playing lame and I don't want to attack people. But uh, playing aggro with Magneto, Sabretooth, Toad, it's, it's fun. It's a really fun list even though I know for a fact my testing lists are super underdeveloped, they're very raw, Magneto feels great, Toad feels great, Sabretooth I'm figuring out because he's a much more complex character in terms of operation, but they all feel good. There was no point, even when I'm losing games, I'm like, I don't feel bad playing this list because it's fun, it's thematic, I've got power out the wazoo. I had so much power, it was crazy. Like If someone gets dazed with Magneto powering them up, like, they've got, like, 10 power, easy, and then they just come back from the grave, and they're like, all right, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and your opponent can't stop them because they're literally at maximum power. So, um, back to talking about them and this power and the generation, like, looking at them made me start looking at other tactics cards again, like we talked about the other mm-hmm. two. Um, and one that was kept swirling around my head that I didn't pick up and check was Follow Me. Yeah. Is, is that um, an unaffiliated card? Well, let me look it up while you guys talk about something else. Because follow me, like, if the power generation is legit as it sounds like it is, 
like follow me all of a sudden sounds like a really good card. Yeah, Let's it is see. unaffiliated Ooh. and reactive. So the active character may spend six to play this card at the end of its activation. Choose another allied character within three of the active character. The chosen character immediately activates. And that's a good point because that is something that I've been looking for yeah. with some interactions like characters that should go back to back. Magneto and Punisher could go back to back. There's yeah. a lot of characters that could do that. And maybe they finally have enough power to do it because that came out in the core set. Yeah. And I don't think we've seen any list that can build that much power to make it consistent, consistently useful. Yeah. But Magneto sounds like the first one that might be able to do it consistently enough that. That could be something that happens. I'm trying to think of characters. Well, you that, don't want Magneto to spend that power. You want someone else to spend it to let Magneto throw. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's giving power out. So now, uh, like, especially if you have, well, especially like if you have like an Asgardian in that list that already generates a couple extra mm-hmm. power to start the turn. Actually, I have a uh, better and then one. You can, Vision. He can do it by turn two. Yeah, but you're just wasting his actions to give power out, and then he did nothing. Well, you like, can you can move him up. Synth, uh, was it synthesoid? Yeah, so synthesis. At, synthesis. So he's at three. Uh, if Magneto throws anything, he's got another one. And then at the start of the next round, he's at five. And if Magneto throws anything, he's at six. And now it's online, so you could do you know a vision wombo combo with someone else. Yeah, I mean that that's possible. Like, uh, but I, I think anyone who's got a bonus generation, so like any of the Asgardians. Um, Vision is probably a good one. Hulk doesn't feel that good there because he doesn't generate power <laughs> anywhere else. Um, Ebony Maw, he gets three. Uh, yeah, Corvus can generate two with a gem. Um, like we go, we go back to that again, right? Like uh, that, um, there's some, but I think that card might have some legit play in Brotherhood. You heard it here first. Maybe you'll have to you have to figure that one out. That seems kind of spicy. It makes me want to revisit all. 80-something tactics cards we have because well, there's I mean, a lot of stuff yeah. opening up. Yeah, like all of, like three or four cards that we've looked at, thought had cool abilities that we never actually played, now seem like they might be feasible. That's cool. And part of that is restricted list, and part of that is potential. Yeah, like if they didn't have the banded, yeah, if they didn't have the banded restricted list, we wouldn't be looking at all these cards mm-hmm. as hard. I love the fact that you guys want to play Smash. Like, I've never even considered that card, and now it's like, you know, that's, that's a minion thing. That's, that's a minion. Bad. Yeah. Minion brought that to like our second ever tournament, or first ever, maybe. Yeah. He still runs it every now and then in a list. I think he played me last week with it. I feel like Battle Lust might see some more play. Uh, oh, that's the other thing I forgot to mention. Unrelated. So let's talk about this first. But okay. You triggered me. I was going to say, uh, Blind Obsession feels like it's probably really good on Sabretooth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That card seems to be the it card right now. Yeah, that card's gotten a lot more popular with Abandoned and Restricted. Well, uh, all you've got and uh, Blind Obs- like all you've got in the uh, field dressing combo are pretty nutty, too. Well, I think Doom Prophecy is still hanging around on a lot of lists. Like mm-hmm. the Restricted list on that, um, while it was a good call, uh, it's still a, a pretty good damn combo. Yep. Um, and that's that's still seeing some play. I, I'm seeing so many people play All You've Got. I'm like, this card is becoming another must-have in a lot of lists, and for good reason. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So, all right, what else we got, Suggy? All right, so uh, we've talked a lot about Toto Magneto, but you guys said you had a tournament, and I want to hear all about this. Um, go ahead, Chris. Why don't you talk about it? 
pretty straightforward. I mean, we had a eight-person tournament. Where was uh, it at? The Total Access Games in Ashland, Virginia. Well, that sounds like a cool place. What yeah. a shameless Another plug. guy that runs it. Um, he's all right. He's all right. Um, turned out really good, man. We had some good variety in lists. Um, Minion ended up winning. Yep. Um, I played him in round two. He, uh, he uh, fail-safe diced me on defense. Just could not hit the dude. None of my characters could hit anything for like the last two rounds. Absolutely insane. But it was tight. Um, The list I brought was um, Bomb Squad and Throw Heavy Avengers. So I had Cap, Valk, Doc Ock, Widow, Punisher, Kingpin, Captain Marvel, and some other characters. Thor, Modok, and I can't remember the last one off the top of my head for some reason. Um... I ended up playing the bomb once in round one. Um, never got it off because I was playing Joey, who was playing a four wide uh, versus my five. Um, so Nar- could, narrow lists feel bad against bombs. Yeah. And then after that, I just didn't try it again. I played uh, – this is the other thing that happened with the minion game. All right, I'm just going to put it out there because it will get out there eventually. Okay, so we had the 19-point demon portals, which I picked, and he picked the 20-point alien ship. Just to trigger me, because this is going to be a low point-scoring affair. Yeah. I put together my roster. I had it all lined up on a sheet of notebook paper so I wouldn't mess it up. And then I read the 20-point list and put it on the table when we had chosen 19. <laughs> Nobody noticed until well after the game. <laughs> Minion ran a legit list and beat me. So now we're just saying we picked the 20-point and he picked 19 points just to flex on me. So So <laughs> – Minion played with a handicap and yeah, still beat you. He played you. one point down and still beat me. Damn. And then he beat you too. So I don't want to talk you about it. You don't get to talk. <laughs> so yeah, I, I played as well. Um I was playing a variant of Sooner's wide guardian list. Um and that's the last damn time I'll ever do that. That sounds exhausting. So uh, I was playing seven activations. I I so game one, I played seven activations. Game two, I played seven activations. Game three, I played eight activations. Ugh. Every one of my games went to time. Um, with the exception of my first game, which ended two minutes before time. Didn't the last game go well over time? And the too? last game went well over time. We actually had to go into an extra round, me and Minion. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, Minion got me in the final round. Uh, turns out Bomb Squad's pretty good when you got eight characters. There's lots of targets on the board. <laughs> Just spray and pray. <laughs> Pretty much. So I did a good job of avoiding the Widow. Um, I, I couldn't avoid Widow and Punisher because he split them. Yeah. So one of them was going to get it, and I just had to make sure it was Punisher that got it so it was a little bit less damage coming mm-hmm. in. Um, I don't I, I don't think the bomb won the game for him. Um, it definitely put that turn in his favor. Like yeah. that turn was his. Um, but we ended up coming down, gosh, what was it? Uh, nine, nine tied going yeah. into the sixth round at time. Uh, and he ended up pulling it out 11 to nine. Yeah. My game with him ended, uh, nine to six. So, <laughs> so he's, he's compressed. This is where all this chat from the beginning of the podcast started. He's compressing the points so he can brawl you. Yeah. It was very similar to if you watched their stream that we had where tra- uh, our Morgan was playing the black order and he's 
compressing the points that can be scored. Um, Minion was doing something very similar where he was trying to compress the points that could be scored on the board uh, to turn it into a brawl with a list that is designed to brawl. Um, And the bomb gives him the capability and the option to either take out multiple small characters or take out a high threat character in a turn. So, and I, he even played it into a Corvus list and I ate Corvus. Yeah. Um, so like it, it seems to be playing good across the board right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that in our game, he set off the bomb with widow. He used one of the rapid fires to kill or today's Thor. So that took one of the attacks off the board. Then he put all of the remaining attacks with Doom Prophecy and all you've got in the Kingpin, and Kingpin tanked it like a boss. Well, I mean, Kingpin's a boss. He is a boss. He took the whole thing and took, I think, five damage. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay one to reduce that. I'll yeah. pay one to reduce that. Oh, you didn't need anything. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, was, it was actually a good event. Like, uh, the eight players we had, I feel like there was a pretty high player skill level that was at the event. Yeah. I feel like... Between the streams and the games we get in shop and watching, like we, a lot of the guys in the shop watch the streams and we come back and try and put some of the things we see in those streams into test. And and, and we had a big wide swath of yeah, games too. Yeah. Minion was purely bomb. I did a little mix of bomb and throw because I really want to work on yeah. throws. And I had the guardians. You had the guardians. Eric had spiders. Yep. Uh, with spiders with Corvus Proxima, which is dumb. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> That was uh, that was a scary. I had to play him round two, uh-huh. uh, and that was a scary game. I played him round three, and I actually he put his Corvus in the middle of the map. So I walked up with Vision and threw him back towards my deployment, and then walked up with Valkyrie and threw him into my deployment, and then just tried to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun, but yeah. So we had a, a bunch of different rosters, people trying out homebrew stuff, and Nathan was bringing them. Uh, Ebony Maw trying to get him going. Eminem. Eminem. <laughs> Modoc and Maw. And Joey had his standard aggressive Corvus Hulk. Joey's nonsense. brawl beat down. Like, yep. I'm going to come at you and pick a fight. Like, and, it was it was a good mix, though. And, and James playing hard defenders. Like, we got a lot of different play styles, and it didn't feel like anything was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like every game – the other person could have won that I saw or that mm-hmm. I was in. Oh yeah, like they were. They were all of my games were close. They were within like two or three points. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really, I was really happy with the turnout. I was really happy with the way everybody played and the way it all went down. Yep. Uh, yeah. We we gave out a couple of X Men kits. Yeah, I got one just by virtue of Todd being the store owner, so he couldn't take one. I mean, um, I could have taken it. You could have. Uh, so it ended up minion one, Todd two, me three. So for keeping track at home. Turn zero three. Yeah. Rest of Ashland zero. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. So we got it. We got the whole state. We got it. We got it all locked down. It's all like we own it right now. <laughs> so it, it was very good though. It's fun. They're all gonna come up here this week and work my ass. Oh yeah. So you know it's coming. I know. That's why I call them out. But yeah, like, like again, lots of fun. Like everybody's super excited. The game feels fresh with the banned and restricted list. I was happy that when everybody brought their lists in, we didn't see like 
everybody playing the same thing or like, you know, everybody on one list. Oh, this is a list we saw that one. Let's all play this. Yeah. Um, I, like I was very was, happy to see that. Like, it was a good mix of lists. And, and it's, it's good to see that the game is actually that healthy. And, and it's also good to see that one of the factions that we've given the greatest amount of slack to the Guardians is mm-hmm. actually performing above the curve that we thought it could perform. Sooner. Thanks, Sooner. Thanks, Sooner. I'll Thanks never for play your list. Todd out all weekend. Yeah, man, I'll never play that list again. Um, like I can see playing that like in a TTS league, one game a week. I never in my life want to play that in three games again in a yeah, day. Yeah, bring that to Nova. No. Have fun. Hell no. You want to play any other games? No. 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 I just <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and play this one all day. All day. day. <laughs> Ready, Captain? I'm ready to take calls from the public. Okay, okay cool. It's kind of weird we call it calls from the public, even though it's just like messages on uh, Discord, isn't it? <laughs> well, they are the public. Well, they are the public, so. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's time for listener questions. Um, Sugi, what we got, man? Yeah, we've got three really good ones. So the first one comes from the son of Sparta. Ha <laughs> Uh, question is, given the rate of releases this year, do you think this is mainly to inject a solid foundation of different factions before cooling things down in a year or so? Or is this how things are going to be from here on out? Ooh, good question. That's a good question. I don't know, man, because... We, we were talking about this the other day, actually. Yeah, I kind of want it to slow a little bit because yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot to take in every month and the game changes so much every month. But at the same time, man, it's keep things fresh, makes things fun to talk about. It, and it depends on whether or not you think the summer was a good point in the game or not. Because the summer thing stopped for three months and we got to There's build. still stops some places too. Right. But, it, you know, it the release is completely stopped. Yeah. So we got to see what happens to innovation when we don't have to account for new characters all the time. Like we thought BDT was it and people started figuring BDT out and there was other things coming out. We saw the rise of Loki in the TTS league. Yeah. Things that people weren't necessarily considering at first. So if you, if you like that, you know, I think you're with me where you hope it kind of slows down. Cause I, I really want things to kind of stop and get figured out before we move on. Yeah. Um, but if you're playing more to, see your favorite characters and that kind of stuff, then you want it to, to keep going. Um, I think they have a lot on deck, man. And chances are like the next year is going to be as fast as this one, in my opinion. I mean, you're, you're talking about the entire Marvel universe. Yeah. Like they could go on at this rate, probably for the next two years and then start hitting heavy on redoing old characters. Like they really could. They're even starting to hit, Fringe characters, like yeah, like I mean, it's it, like so they could keep that pace, arguably for the next year, year and a half, easily. Because we've only scratched X Men. Yeah, there's still affiliations that aren't complete, like the Spider Foes. There's and, affiliations that aren't even in. Yeah, Defenders, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. It still need to be finished. Things that aren't in Fantastic Four is not in. Fantastic like Four. That <laughs> Spider Friends. We still don't have Spider Friends. Firestarter, Iceman, none of them are here yet. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff that's still out there. And, like, with MODOK, they're willing to kind of go weird places. So there could be more stuff coming out that's a little more fringe. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. There's a ton of stuff from the Guardians universe. 
Howard. Well, the we know Duck, Deadpool's coming. Cosmo, uh, Adam Warlock, yeah, the Universal Church of Truth. Any of those guys? The the fucking weird Captain America clone. I want to see Inhumans, like, man. Inhumans. I want to see Black Bolt Runaways. Runaways. Like there, there's so much that they could actually do. We were so. talking about uh, with Rick last night, the Morlocks. Yeah. Like, well, like, so, so that's the point, right? Like, there is so much that they can do, or that they could hold, or that they could put out. They could start timing releases based on when the cinematic universe picks back up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there might be some of that, since this is all parented by Disney anyway. Um, so this could just be the initial wave, right? Like we we know from like what they said at Gen Con that they had designed the game originally around fifty characters, mm-hmm. uh, and then they had started working on the next year, right? Um, so, so we know that all of this was ready to go pretty much from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think that the game will slow down a bit. I think some of the re- releases will back off a little bit. But I think we have to be prepared that it will probably fall into the cycle that we had before where it was a couple of releases this month, a couple of releases this month, and then like four that following month because a new faction is coming out. And they're going to give you a chunk of that and maybe something else that fills in another one. And then a couple of releases the next month. Um, I feel like if they they slowed it down to that, like everybody would be happy. Um, and it would – I don't think you need to get everything, right? Yeah. Uh, but I know a lot of people, myself included, you're kind of this way too, like – you want to get them all. Like they're like yeah. they're like fucking Pokemon. Like you got to catch every one of them. <laughs> you mean Pokemon? Whatever they are, Pokemon. What a hater! Get the out of here. Di- the Digipokes. Oh, Digipokes? don't you? Di- no. All right, that's it. We're moving on to the next question. You are scum. I hate you. Uh, my 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 like childhood hurts so much with you. Just do that. <laughs> you just totally cyclopsed him. Uh, I did. No, actually, I don't. Yeah, whatever. All right. I, t- I took the visor off. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Charging Did my laser. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right. Quintus asks a great question. This is more of a general strategy question. But do you guys think there is a rock, paper, scissors element in the game where uh, beat down or cabal beats control or Wakanda and then control beats attrition or defenders? Or is it more crisis dependent like X beats Y on a specific crisis card? I think the crisis – so my, my personal opinion is if everything is considered the same, player skill level, everything else, die rolls, and you want to consider all that on an even keel, then I think it could come down to that idea of a rock, paper, scissor, right? Uh, the problem is that's never going to happen. Yeah. I, I really disagree with the idea that it could be rock, paper, scissors. I mean, I've seen everything beat everything. It's It's – a player skill thing. Dice are the the biggest. I, I disagree. I don't think dice are the biggest. I think player skill is the biggest. Because a, a player who knows how to position correctly, uses cover correctly, can block themselves incorrectly to avoid pushes and stuff like that, can outplay bad dice. I have a, Potentially, I have a but, I mean, counter we, argument we just saw, sooner. We just saw the sooner game. Yeah, sure. I mean, where he was all right, great position. That's an ext- – well, I mean, okay, even more so then. Like, that's another reason why it can't be rock, paper, scissors. Well, well, yeah. I I would argue that 98% of the time, those games aren't going to happen. Like, that I feel like Sooner's game was almost an extreme, extreme incident of that. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, And and I I don't want to say that to take anything away from the guy that he played. Like, they both played a hell of a game. Uh, But, like, 
everything that Sooner did was countered by the dice. Uh, and, and that was like, that can just happen. Um, but I don't think that, that that is the reason to give dice the edge over player skill. Um, if that was the case, we wouldn't see the same six to eight players topping games. Um, because like we see Sooner tops a lot. Sploosh is a solid player. Morgan Reed is an amazing player. Travis Foss is an amazing player. All of these guys are really good players, and they consistently are able to make it past the dice argument in this to at least make their cuts. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it can't just be a dice is the most prevalent thing. Yeah, I can see your argument. It's it, it's definitely a factor though, but that it is that a factor. Does eliminate the rock paper scissors thing exactly. So, um, and and I don't even think a, a certain set of objectives. There are ways you can build rosters to make your list feel better into the field, but there, I think in this game, there's always a way around it, even if you have a quote bad matchup. Yeah. So, I, I think this game is is very well balanced for what it is. It's in you can kind of do whatever you want and find success in it. Yeah. I do think that certain lineups will have more success on certain objectives or objective setup styles. Um, And and we've seen that in some of the player discussions before where they talk about how uh, like the D or the B setup is their better option with their affiliation. And that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. it's, for me, I try not to put a whole lot of consideration in the format or, or the setup of the objectives, I try and more worry about my play style and how to answer what my opponent's doing yeah. um, than worrying about how how I feel like my roster is going to play on that list. Because you have to be able to be fluid and adjust. Yeah. Uh, it, so, so, like, that for me isn't even a consideration. But I, I do understand the people that are using that as a, a decision-making point for building. I, I absolutely use it when I pick my objectives. Mm-hmm. Um but my objectives are only at best ever going to make up half of that game. Yeah. Um, so I, I need to be able to still be fluid and flexible on everything else. Positioning is the biggest yeah. controllable thing you can do in a game. I agree. Yep. As they say in Warhammer, you win and you lose games in the movement phase. Positioning is critical. All right. Our last question yes, comes from, uh, s- tell me how to say this, Datrix Zero, Dardix? Sounds good. Okay. So, yeah, he has a. (laughs) I'll allow it. All right, blue player Chris over there. So, uh, the question comes in Can you take some time and explain your thoughts behind the threat costs of figures? What do you see makes a two threat versus a three threat or a five threat? Um, You know, he's. He explains why he's interested to hear this question, but I think this is a really interesting question because I feel like every person who answers this question, like the three of us, we're going to have very separate and individual responses. Like there isn't a flat response like, well, it's because, you know, it's Magneto or because it's Toad. Like there's a lot of different variables, uh, interpretations and reasons we look at a character and go, yeah, that makes sense why that character is, you know, a two or a three or whatever. So I'm actually, I kind of, I'm with him. I want to hear what you guys think, you know, creates this environment where a two threat character is valued at two. I mean, I think it's a, it, it's not one thing on the card. Yeah. Um, it, it ranges anywhere from health pool to defense values to movement speed, whether or not they have flight or wall crawler, um, attack types, 
like energy, physical or mystic, mm-hmm. um, number of dice and range, like all of those things, not to mention even superpowers. Like we haven't even gotten to that part of it yet. Um, so like all of these things weigh into how you point a character, right? Um, and, and I'm not going to say that I understand their full scheme of how they point characters. I will say that when I look at a character, a lot of times I can be like, all right, I see how that one got to three points. Or, or I see why that one's a two-pointer as opposed to a three-pointer. Or why does this three-pointer feel like a four-pointer, but it's, it's, it's you know, one point less. Mm-hmm. Miles is a good example of a character that feels like he should be a four-pointer, uh, but he's actually a three. <laughs> Valkyrie yeah. There are a couple exceptions like that. Yeah, Valkyrie maybe one, yeah, Miles is probably one. But why, why do you think that they put them as a three as opposed to? Well, I think the, the biggest factor is actually the flexibility of the character. Like when you look at Magneto, you see all these different superpowers, what they're providing for the team. So the two big ones that we think are worth their point cost at six are Thanos and Magneto. And they both have this huge ability to affect the board. And that's, that's what they said threat is supposed to be. It's like their area of effect, essentially. Right. But can they manipulate on the board Thanos can move you all over the place and give his his people attacks he's given them VPs Magneto has given the whole team power multiple times a turn yeah. potentially he's also um, throwing things and creating terrain um, but like when you look at a three-point character like Valkyrie who feels like she hits above her weight she's very linear yeah. she does one thing extremely well and she feels like she should be four because she's she's so linear and the, the powers are so brutally effective that I, I think that's a good point. She she does one thing really well. Yeah. And if you let her do that one thing, she's gonna feel like a four or five threat character. Right. But if you take her out of her element and you can control her in different ways, mm-hmm. she's a flat three. Or even putting a character in front of her that's got four physical defense instead of three, you know, will slow her down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and so like her, her, she's a good example. Um, so things that make her feel like a four, she's got extra power generation. Mm-hmm. She's got a charge. She hits hella hard, has a flurry. Um, can correct dice. Yeah. She can correct her own dice, uh, for a cost, right? All of her superpowers cost two, which she generates each turn on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, she feels above the curve for a three pointer. Um, but where she lacks it is she only has a medium base or a medium move. Um, she has no ability to, to get around or over terrain. Standard a, defenses. And she has flat standard defenses with no way really to modify them at mm-hmm. all. Um, so, And she's only got 11 hit points, six on the front, five on the back. So she's fairly tanky for a three-pointer, not overly because she has no defensive abilities really at all other mm-hmm. than rolling a couple of dice. Um, and I think that's where the balance with her comes. Mm-hmm. Um and that might be why Hulk doesn't feel like he's worth six points because he's also very linear. Yeah. And he has a massive drawback in that he just dies and doesn't daze. Yeah. So he's built to do one thing, but he's not – I don't want to say he's not as effective at it as Valkyrie, but he he has that definite disadvantage where if you can get him off the board, he's just off the board. Yeah, or if you can control him or contain him. Yeah, don't attack him. Yeah. You know, he's – you can't ignore Valkyrie the same way as you can ignore Hulk right. because he also can't get to you. <laughs> right. And then, I mean, like, so, like, if you look at a, a four-pointer that makes – what makes this four-pointer better than – or above 
that three-pointer. So we talked about Valkyrie, right? Things mm-hmm. she does. Let's look at a four-pointer like Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, Vision has same health pool. Is he six and five? Yeah. So he has 11 hit points as well. Um, medium mover, so that's the same. But he has flight. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a throw that costs two. His is size three, and it throws at medium. Yeah. Hers is size two, and it throws it short. And he also has the extra power generation. He has extra power generation built into his card. Um, he has a beam attack mm-hmm. that's energy and hits any number of targets in a beam four yeah. with a sap. And he gets to switch his defense type. And he gets to f- switch his defense which type. Which also have additional bonuses. So right. He's just affecting more than she is. Right. You know, at first glance. Right. Um, and so, like, that's that's comparison with three to four that have similar abilities. Mm-hmm. Um and they actually have similar die attacks if you really look at them. Mm-hmm. Visions is a four range, five die beam attack. Hers is a range two, five die attack. Um, and then her her spender is a range two, seven die attack. Yeah, for three. For three. With a trigger. That gives flurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she has charge. Mm-hmm. Where Vision has, uh, again, four die I'm sorry, four range, five die, beam attack with sap. And then his big spender is... It's cost four. It's a three range, seven die that turns off crits. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like if you if you kind of compare those things like that, like you can see some of the variations and some of the differences. I think flight's a bigger deal. Like I know drop-off is gone. I still think flight and wall crawler are huge. Yeah. Um, like anytime I see those on a character, I'm immediately going to read them and see what else they do. Yeah. Uh, and that affected me in a big way in a game this past week where I was having trouble getting up to an objective because I was playing a C map and there were two tall things that I had to climb with characters to get up to the meteors to affect them. So yeah. flight is still important for getting around and contesting things. Well, playing on the Sentinel map, like that got me when I was playing Eric. Mm-hmm. I had um, characters that had to go around terrain in order to get to the position that I wanted them to because mm-hmm. they were not big enough to go over it. Um, I, guess, I guess the biggest thing for me when deciding what, what threat value characters should have is actually the superpowers. Yeah. Because those are the things that are going to affect characters on both sides of the field, on your team and their team, and they're, they're the things that make them feel like they have extended reach, which is what the threat level represents. Not only that, there are also things that are generally taken – out of actions, like there's some that mm-hmm. are at, that spend actions. The majority of them are taken out of actions or on your opponent's turn, right? Mm-hmm. And those things are the extra things that they can do in a turn, and how important they are. Um, so, like if you look at, um, let's go back to Valkyrie, her um, Worry of Legend two cost spender that lets her turn dice mm-hmm. on her attacks. So. You're spending an action for that attack to use that ability, right? Mm-hmm. So it's used in conjunction with the spent action. Um, and her charge also takes an action that gives you a move and an attack. Mm-hmm. So both of her spenders are used in conjunctions with her other actions. Um, where Vision with a, his uh, his throw, right, yeah. is an extra... Just an extra thing he does. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's some of the stuff that I look at when I'm trying to figure out is this three-pointer worth the three, or is this four-pointer worth the four, and, and why those point differences are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really gets hard when you get to the uh, the five and the six-pointers, though. Yeah. Because, um, like, they have to be 
above and beyond um, to to be valued at a five and six spot in the roster. Mm-hmm. So, Siggy, what have you got? So I think that AMG is doing two different things at the same time in the development space. Um, we've talked to a lot of designers, and there's the um, the top down approach, which is thematic, is the king of the uh, design space. And then um, bottom-up is mechanics are the king in the design space. And I, I would wager that AMG is probably more top-down top heavy in terms of design because when you look at these characters, you definitely get the feel that these guys have read comics, watched movies, even played video games, and they're pulling from a lot of different source material. It's not one-dimensional and so you know when i saw berserker barrage on wolverine i was like oh man that's like one of his abilities in marvel versus capcom it's a comic book ability like this is one of the more defining features in terms of like wolverine's attacks and it's on his card like that's super cool um so whenever i look at a character and their design and their their threat cost I obviously look at the mechanical functionality, like, hey, you know, do they have a move ability? Do they have a throw? Do they have a charge? Do they have rerolls? Do they have count blanks? Like, all of these little mechanical things that make a character, you know, better than the other. But then on top of that, I'm also looking at theme because I feel like the uh, incredibly thematic characters generally, not all the time, but generally get uh like it's a combination of mechanics and themes so i think a great example of this is kingpin kingpin is a imposing four threat model his his physical sculpt is big he has defensive tools he's got uh, offensive oppressive offensive abilities he's got seven health on the front seven health on the back he is slow which is exactly like his character in the comics but if he gets to grab you it is going to hurt. And it's an interesting design because mechanically he does exactly what his character does thematically. And I think that's a really big flavor win for a lot of these characters. And, you know, when you're asking what makes a character two points, what makes a character four points, I feel like I read a lot of comics. I read a lot of Marvel. I read a lot of DC too. But if you've read the comics or played the games or watched the movies, if, you, if you've been inundated in the Marvel universe and you see a preview for a character. I think Mystique is a great example. Mystique, we don't know her threat value. I think she's probably a three threat, and here's why. In the comics, and in the video games, and in the movies, she is a saboteur. She infiltrates, she can assassinate, she can uh, sow seeds of dissension, she can do a lot of different things, but she can't really get into fisticuffs. She's not a fighter. She is kind of a hit-and-run assassin kind of person. And so in this game, a lot of the big, punchy, brute force characters are in the uh, four-plus range. Valkyrie is probably one of the exceptions, maybe Miles as well. But if you look at like two- and three-point characters, they can attack, but they're more designed to be 
flexible in point grabbing or a utility piece to support the team, or they can do long range things like, you know, we are assuming that she has like a similar war zone ability to Punisher, which is a range four ability. So that's pretty distant from close combat. Um, so I, I would never look at Mystique and think, oh yeah, obviously like a four or five, six point character, because that's not really what she does in the scope of the Marvel universe or in the position she takes. Like I said, she infiltrates, assassinates, um, sows dissension, destabilizes, stuff like that. Um, if you said, hey, we're going to get like Blob or Juggernaut, I instantly think four plus. Blob is a tank. He can't die. He deals tons of damage and he reflects your attacks back into you. Juggernaut is Juggernaut. Like he just runs and destroys everything in his path. That's kind of how I look at a character. And it's, it's a, like I said, it's a combination of both top and bottom down design because you can't have one supersede the other. I think Daredevil is probably a victim to this where mechanically I think he's a lot weaker than the thematic value he's been given. Um, you know, he's rated threat four, but every time I've seen him and even minion quoted or minion said, he feels like he underperforms for a four threat character. And, you know, I, I've seen him played. I've tried to use him. I just don't find him to be my favorite four point character ever. Uh, I mean, Iron Man kind of underperforms for three threat. I, I wish he was four threat and did more instead of being a three threat who doesn't do enough, if that makes sense. Well, that's funny because the guy who asked this question absolutely loves Iron Man at three. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is there's a lot of different responses to this question and a lot of different people. You, you can ask this question to the three of us and everyone who's listening to the podcast is going to have a different rating system for why a character is or is not the point value that they're at. But um, I always like. Well, here's a question. Yeah, go for it. I got a question. What Mystique's card is it going to be more Rebecca Mornay or Jennifer Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence. Hmm. What do you think? Oh. Well, neither. She's <laughs> going to be the. She's going to be the the comic book. That's what I want. You got to go one or the other. No. Those two were essentially looked the same. No, they didn't. Oh boy. All right, so they looked the same, but they were different characters. Um. I thought Re- Rebecca Remain. was badass. I thought so, too. Jennifer Lawrence just kind of struck me as whiny. Yeah. All right. She kind of reminded me of Cyclops. I, I don't oh. like that I'm a B. Yeah. I hate it. I don't like being this. Oh, wow. No, I'm going Rebecca. Wow. Yeah. Haters. I, hate, I just, I smell the hate. Terrible. Uh, but any, anyways, to to kind of wrap up the answer to the question, I think... I think the fun thing about watching games be designed by a team is you get to see all of those little inputs into the character. Like if you look at Magneto, if you look at Toad, you look at Wolverine, you you can see that there's mechanical functionality. Like Wolverine is an aggressive character. He can charge, he can get in, he can heal. Super cool. If you look at it thematically, he also hits a lot of buttons and check marks because he has the healing factor that he's famous for. He's got these incredibly aggressive attacks, which is basically his character. He's a lone wolf who just wants to run in, kill everything in his path, and then, you know, do whatever he wants to do because that's his character. Um, you know, he's not going to be consistent. He has no rerolls, but if he hits, he hits hard. And so 
that's the thing that I really do enjoy about seeing AMG design characters is there's a lot of functionality in how pieces work. But you're also rewarded, I think, very heavily if you're a comic book fan and you follow these characters' uh, storylines, the arcs, the development, and you can see that love implemented in the design of most characters. There's some characters I look at, I'm like, well, okay, I guess. But for the most part, like 99%, I, I think they really hit the nail on the head. Well, then, if you're going to say they designed from the thematic standpoint, I'm going to follow this up with James' next question, because I know what it is. Why didn't they give Ghost Rider Incinerate or immunity? Immunity to Incinerate. So there's there's a couple of uh, interesting thematic fails that they hit every once in a while. That's definitely one of them, considering, you know, his head is on fire. Um, there's There's a lot of interesting possibilities why that is maybe it's too good maybe they didn't think about it i mean like legitimately these are human beings so it's it's very possible they just had a a, a done goofed moment aaron um, i'm thinking that they just have hard point budgets and they would rather something like that goes unchecked than go over their limit that they've established that makes more sense to me as well the other thing we have to consider a lot of people don't uh, take this into consideration sometimes, but um, it is very likely that they have to pass a majority, if not all of their decisions to Disney and get them approved via Disney. So I say that because it's very possible the initial design was he is invulnerable to incinerate and someone said why or no, or they wanted them to change it. I don't know. I can't say why something is or is not on a card, but I am saying like if Todd, Chris, and I designed our own game. We get to design our rules and regulate amongst ourselves. We don't have to send our designs to someone else to get their approval. So anytime you add in an additional company, especially Disney, who is protective of their IP, there is a possibility that things were vetoed that we just will never know about. If I make the game, I make Cyclops the best character in the game, so Todd has to play. <laughs> uh, which means I just play another game. Yeah, that, that was an easy one. Todd's going to go play F- Flesh and Blood. Yes. Let's do it. I would make a Cyclops character. Oh boy, name him Scott in Flesh and Blood. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But I, I do, I do think that was a really good question. I liked hearing you guys' answers. I, I always like default to theme. I like theme because I feel like mechanics without theme is boring. Sure, I, I, mean, I get that too. Like, and, and there's definitely the thematic aspect of how they point these characters as well, um, because the pointing of these characters also leans towards their board presence. And when they have to take up a certain amount of space in your roster or on your squad, like you're, you're dedicating that to that character. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I feel like those characters have to earn that spot. Um, And their pointing system is a way of indicating that, right? Mm -hmm. Like even, even Hulk, like we, we think Hulk might be undervalued, but Hulk is a meaty big boy. Like, yeah, and and he's gonna take that up. Theme is exactly right. Yeah, like if he's getting on your if he's getting on your Quinjet, like he's gonna take up some space, <laughs> right? Like, like he's he's got he's gonna take up some room. So, but like, I, and so I get some of that as well, right? And I don't know, but I, I do like the question. I think that was a good one. Yeah, just just imagine if it was all mechanics and no theme, we'd be playing Marvel chess, like. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, that's a good point. So anyways, uh, before we get on out of here, we are going to announce a surprise for 
everyone who's listening, we're going to start posting this on social media for the next couple weeks. But we. Oh, is this their new Pornhub channel? No, 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 no. It's no, Furry no, Mike Campbell. No, at no, no. This is a giveaway. For unfortunately, I do know we have a lot of listeners from uh, the UK and Australia, but we are doing a vibranium heist giveaway to our United States American listeners, just mostly because of shipping. Uh, Todd, tell us what comes in this kit if they are to win. Uh, it's a vibranium heist ultimate encounter kit that comes with enough stuff for eight players. Um, so you get all the alternate art cards, the uh, character cards, the tokens that go with the kit. Um, it, it's a cool little kit. If you haven't gotten a check, chance to play it, like it's super fun. Um, it's a really good encounter. It's it's a good time to be had. I like the fact that this one was actually two player, not a three player. Um, but yeah, it, it's a really really good kit, uh, and it comes with tokens for eight people. So eight people can get a separate kit and take it home and play with their family or friends or expand it out of their game shop. You know, like. I think that's the cool thing that they're doing with this is giving it out to everybody. Mm -hmm. And we just want to make sure that people who don't have a shop that's up and running because of COVID and all this stuff going on, or, you know, have a location that's not supporting the game, but they have friends that are playing. We want to try and get these out to some people that can get them out in their local communities and share them and do some good with them. Yeah. So uh, please, please don't try and flip this on eBay or one of the buy, sell, trade Facebook groups. We'll be pretty upset at you. <laughs> um, so anyways, it's really simple. In order to uh, enter to win, all you have to do is like the Facebook page. So if you've already liked the Facebook page, you are already entered to win. There will be other ways to get additional entries, and we're going to post all that information on social media so it's nice and crisp and clean and clear. And like I said, in a couple of weeks, we're going to draw someone with, once again, within the United States, shipping. Please don't be outside the U.S. Um, and then we will ship one out to you. And yeah, we want to give back to the community. You know, we're working with this overlay for stream so that games are a lot easier to watch and understand because it's there's a lot of moving pieces. We've got vibranium kits to give away to the community, so we're really excited. There's a lot of stuff in the pipeline, but um, you know, with holidays up on the horizon, this will be a lot of fun for people to play with family, friends, you know, have a game night at your place and be like, hey, surprise, everyone gets to take home, you know, your own alternate arts and tokens. It's like, oh, wow, super sweet. So, yeah. You know what, Suggy? You know what? We're not giving away one. What? Uh, wait, what? What? No, we're not giving away wait, one. Wait, how many are we giving away? We're going to give away three. Whoa, Ooh. really? Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and give away All three. All right, well. What about the one on uh, Mike's Pornhub No, no, uh, there's no. A, that's a different one. You got to no. <laughs> You gotta watch the entire one where he dresses up like Wolverine. No. Yes. No. Please, no. No. Must unsee. No. Dresses is in air quotes <laughs> no. because it's a Pornhub channel. It's uh, just the claws. Okay. It's really just all the glued on body hair. No, <laughs> no. It's not really glued on. All right. Jo jokes jokes aside. Okay, some, well. Some sort of adhesive. Oh, boy. All right. Well, Todd is throwing us a curveball. So, all right. We are giving away three Vibranium Heist kits. So, get your uh, entry in. And like I said, we'll, there'll be more ways to enter because apparently we're tripling the giveaways, which is really exciting. So, yeah. We will make, uh, make an announcement formally and let everybody know over the next couple of weeks. But, um, man, I am so excited for what... Marvel Crisis. You know Marvel what, Suggy? I'm not done. No, oh. no, I'm scared. Uh, what? 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 What game are we streaming this week? Do we have one lined up yet? Not yet. Well, we're giving one away there too. Ooh. 
So we're giving away four. We can do that one. Well, well, that game might happen before the podcast goes live. So, well, so guess we'll what? Have, Somebody's going to get one we'll there have too. To let, Surprise. Let's let some people know. Oh my gosh, Todd! Here, here, here's another one. Fine. All right, five, five. Okay, I'm five capping points. it at five, Chris. All right. But the fifth one, if you miss the stream this week, will be given away at the finals of the TTS League. Ooh. Okay. Now, all, all of these are U.S., right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we just... You know what? what? I'm not putting that requirement on the TTS finals. Ooh. Finals can go anywhere, huh? Finals can go anywhere. Okay. Ooh. All right. All right. Well, we, we have a lot of posting to do to make sure everyone knows what's going on <laughs> and where, and I need to find out exactly what's happening because this is new and exciting information. But uh, yeah, as we wrap up, I definitely want to give a shout out to our sister podcast, Advanced R&D. Uh, you need to listen to it because A, it's hilarious, B, Todd is on it, and C, it is messy <laughs> like it, it is such a fresh approach to playing the game and building rosters because everyone is given limitations and they have to come up with strategies on the fly and it's really interesting to see how people uh, take the tools that are given to them and find ways to fill in the blanks and finish the puzzle whereas you know having infinite time and infinite resources to put together a roster is a lot less interesting as opposed to building one on the fly live on air with Merzane and Kenny G. So check it out. Uh, episode two is going to go live on Friday of this week. And then we are going to stream or record. Well, we'll figure out, but there will be a game between uh, the people who recorded episode one and episode two. So there's lots of content coming out of advanced R and D. Uh, we have a ton of content coming out from turn zero gaming. We have YouTube is filling up. We are starting to release the podcasts on YouTube as well as our streams. We've got lots of live streaming with the TTS league about to wrap up. Cause we are in the top four right now, aren't we? Top four. Yeah, so we're in the top four. Mm -hmm. So there's only three more games left. Um, and then there's the Beta Splendas League, so we've got a lot of that. We've got some uh, testing games where we're messing around with Magneto and the Brotherhood. We've got articles coming out every week. We've got social media with Facebook. Um, it's it, We're just grinding on all cylinders. Pornhub. No. We're going to have to change the intro music to this podcast, the Twilight Zone music. Oh, my goodness. All right. Into the turn zero zone. <laughs> that doesn't seem catchy. <laughs> What? No. That show's great. No, nah, man. I mean, the show. X-Men theme. Off forever. <sighs> so, yeah. I say we do yeah. Spider-Man. No, no. Which version of the no, Spider-Man? No, we, we are the X-Men theme. We, we, were, we were the first ones. We are the last ones. We are the X-Men theme people. That's what we do. All right. I feel like there's an Alpha and Omega coming. Apocalypse type. Ooh, <laughs> that would be. Oh, the Four Horsemen would be great. Give me Gambit. Yes. Anyways. So, all right, let's close this thing out. I've already given away a bunch of <laughs> shit. I'm done. Keep giving away stuff. Give away your house, your car, the shop. Uh, I'll give away my truck that's broke down in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, you got to come get it. But sure. Yeah, you got to come get it. You can have it, though. <laughs> I got an old pair of underwear. I'll give those all away. Right, we're getting out of here. Thank They're you, clean. everyone, for joining us. We will see you next time. And as always, Excelsior!